Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. It is. Tuesday, January 14th, David, we've had we've had holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, snow trips, surf trips. A lot has gotten in the way of our regularity. I'm thrilled to be regular once again. Um, <laughs> I've been constipated with spit pod yeah. lack of spit podcasting right. and thrilled to finally release. Yeah, this morning's like a dose of Metamucil. It really is. And um, uh, I guess we should apologize for our... I don't need to apologize. Okay, but we we will be on a regular schedule throughout the year here in 2020. Because, I mean, I don't think we even did a pipeline follow-up. And I feel like you probably did a pipe follow-up with Chaz or somebody. And you probably... Like, it's old news. Like, it would be silly to do a pipe follow-up. I can't believe it's been that long. Did we do it? Because we did, like... Our last episode was, like, the week after... Maybe round one was finished or something. Maybe you're right. Um, well, no, we don't need to do it. But we uh, do need to talk about your celebrity status, your podcast celebrity no, status. No, 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 no. I am December nineteenth was our last show, by the way. Yeah, a month ago, right? So, oh, so that must have been right when Pipe finished. Maybe we analyzed the title race. Yeah, we did not. Pipe usually Pipe finishes around the twenty first or twenty second. Yeah, Pipe wasn't over yet. Hmm. Uh, anyway. But anyways, yeah, celebrity status. We were just talking about you banning moderators from the Surfer Mag board before. No, I was a mics. moderator. Banning banning people as the you were the moderator. Yeah. Right. So I was eating at my favorite restaurant in La Jolla, El Pescador Fish Market, which is just an awesome place to eat. If anyone gets down on Pearl Street across from Mitch's, go over to El Pescador and enjoy the uh, the killer seafood there. In fact, interestingly, well, maybe not very interesting at all, but I used to work at El Pescador when it was on the other side of the street next to Mitch's when they first opened up. Like, this was like 85. What were you doing? I was slinging fish, like Amazing. making fish sandwiches. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I've got a funny story. So I was dating this girl down there. She was living above Margaret's Dry Cleaners, where if you live in La Jolla, you know, everything, you know where Margaret's Dry Cleaners is. It's over by Bishop's school. Anyway, I'm dating this girl and we spent the night together and we had a few too many to drink. We're a little bit hungover and I wake up to this guy ripping the sheets off of me and it's some other dude that she'd been dating too. And he's just like pissed. He was a San Diego lifeguard and he's just like off. He's in his uniform and he's like chasing me around and I'm hungover, totally naked, like kind of like with morning wood, kind of running around, like trying to scrape together my clothes and run down the stairs. And I run up Pearl Street, basically buck naked. And I run up to El Pescador because I'm like, this guy's chasing after me, you know. And my friend Paul Slipper, who was managing it then, he like opened up the side door, let me in. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, and he like, he hid me in the walk-in freezer until I got the all clear sign. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. Yeah. That is so classic. Oh my lordy, yeah. Uh, did you ever see the girl again? Oh yeah, she was a sweet girl. 
<laughs> no, in all sincerity, I mean, look, uh, we she was my girlfriend, kind yeah. of like it was weird, but um, even after that, I think so. My my dates sometimes I get my dates messed up, but I did hang out with her. She's a very sweet girl, and I wish her the best. I know she's still doing good up in L.A. somewhere, but oh, okay, yeah, I don't have any. No, but I, I mean, she's obviously seeing two guys. Yeah, once. she was. I don't know if you were. No, there was a disc. There, there was, no, yeah, there was a weird moment. It was a yeah. weird moment. You know, there was some weird, what the fuck, you know? Or, excuse yeah. my French. Oh, where's the cuss? Beep. <laughs> the cuss tray. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway. That's a great story, dude. Any, so, I met El Pescador the other night. Right. I met El Pescador Fish Market the other night. And, um, and there were some buddies. And this guy overhears me talking, telling, talking story or whatever. And he goes, hey, aren't you the guy that does the podcast? Aren't you Scott? And I go, yeah, hi, my name's Scott. And he, and um, I met him and his girl. I think his name was, oh gosh, I wish I could remember. I, I want to, anyway, I forget his name. I apologize. But he goes, yeah, you also banned me from the Surfer Magazine message board a long time ago. And I'm kind of bummed about it. I'm like, He's oh, dude, upset. don't be bummed. I, I banned a lot of people. You're not alone. He's still upset about <laughs> no, it? No, he wasn't. He, it was, we were all, it was very much tongue in cheek. What was your policy for banning people? I had no policy. It was just like, <laughs> if I woke up on the wrong side of this bed that morning, you know, I was like, this guy's lame. I mean, everyone would just attack me. So exactly. I would that just be like, screw you, screw you, screw you, screw you. I couldn't I do anything at. right. You know, yeah. like I either banned too many people or didn't ban enough. Or how come you banned him and you didn't ban him? That's why you need a policy. You need it cut and dry rules. Because even, I, as no, you said, even, even with cut and dry policy, it's hard to maintain the policy because... You got people that are just like, you know, DMV workers that are doing nothing all day, but yeah. just on the message board and getting paid to be there. And they're just like finding loopholes in your policy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the funny thing is, I, as you said, oh, I automatically, when he told you that story that he got banned, I automatically took his side. I was like, Scott woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. <laughs> Somebody burned Scott that morning. And, and so he got on. Um Anyways, I've grown. Really I've grown a little bit. Since Have you? Then. A little. I'd like to think so. Hmm. You know, it's weird about change and people's change. You know, like the the biggest amount of change usually is like between eighteen and twenty one. Like when we kind of, you know, like set off on our path to be adults, basically. But I was listening to this guy on that Recode Decode, and he was talking about that's simply not true. That we're constantly evolving and constantly changing, and there's there's moments of big change. The, and growth as we, you know, move through our lives. I don't know if I, I mean, I'd have to finish listening to that episode um, because certainly your like frontal lobe isn't fully developed as a male until you're 25. Yeah. So I would think that there's more change up until let's He's, say 25. He was saying that, but he was saying a lot of people are in the paradigm or, or buy into the paradigm that, okay, after 25, that's it. This is who you are. So then they just kind of acquiesce. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas okay, I could see what he's saying then. There's a book. I just did another chat with Sal Masakela that I published, and he references a book that somebody else then referenced to me shortly thereafter, which is called How to Change Your Mind. The author is Michael Pollan. And um, I bought it. I haven't yet started it, but I'm really curious because it discusses exactly that like how our habits formed. How do you re kind of wire the neurons in your brain? And not that. This next part isn't necessarily from that book, but it's something that I've learned over the years and heard come up a lot is your every cell in your body re, is on a seven-year life cycle. So your cells regenerate over seven years. And they're all happening at a different rate, of course. But over the course of seven years, you are an entirely different person 
on a cellular level than you are today. So enacting new habits allows you to kind of, or at least picking a direction and setting an intention allows you to create a new path for yourself. Certainly what you put in your body has an effect, you know? So start putting good things, healthy things, and you can be a healthier person down the road. Um, but you'll notice that in people's faces too, like people who have some radical life change and become a more positive person, they just have almost like smile lines in their face and a, and a positive disposition that their general you know, affect puts out. And then you see a photo of them when they're younger and you're like, oh my gosh, you look older when you were younger and you look sadder and just depressed. And that's part of all of that, you know, positive affirmation, setting intention, putting healthy food in your body, all of that. So it, it stands to reason that you could change your mind and the way that you think in addition to all those physical attributes, you know. What do you think is more important? Do you think it is what you put into your body? And I know this is sort of one of those silly, you know. I'm in. Let's do it. If or that. But do you think it's more important what you put in your body? Or spending 20 minutes a day sitting quietly in meditation, which will have a bigger effect on your contentment. Because you put the limit at 20 minutes, well, okay. I'm going to say what I put in my body. Okay, because well, that's I don't all wanna... day, every day. Okay, yeah. All right. I, well, I'm gonna, let me put it to this. What you put in your body or if you partake in meditation on a daily basis. I would take the cop out and say it's 50 50 um you can't take the cop out i mean i really do believe that it is 50 50 it is 50 but i won't take the cop out yes and i will say that it's actually your general mindset that is more important than what you put in your body yes because i think that you can live in let's say dire circumstance where you only have access to rice and water and you can be fulfilled by that and continue to grow from that and um, do general good through that. But if you live with a negative disposition, you could eat anything that you want and still be a terrible person who in fact infects the world with bad things. Yeah. Right? I think so. I like I, I like that. I would agree with that. And I think that if you spend time in meditation every day, you're probably going to get to a place where you're like, you know what would also would be a good idea? Eating well. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that if you ate well, because I do believe that if you ate well, you would probably go, hey, maybe I should meditate as well. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. Yeah. I've had the luxury of being able to eat and drink whatever I want for a couple of decades now, and I've made bad decisions personally during that time. You know what I mean? Those food decisions didn't relate to good choices in life. There's some. I read a really great article yesterday on the power of meditation with research behind it and what it does to the cellular level and the regeneration of your cells and stuff and how it affects you. I'll have to send it to you. But it's really powerful and it's really well written. And it's basically the guy saying, look, it's proven that meditation is good for you on a bunch of different levels. If, if since we know that, shouldn't meditation, shouldn't it be our moral responsibility if it makes us better people to meditate? Yeah, I'm not going to... un pack that but i think one issue that we have and you and i have run into this with a previous conversation about meditation is everybody defines meditation differently yeah so for and and by the way everybody benefits 
from a different style of meditation differently. So you can't just say this method of transcendental meditation yeah. is for everybody. They were actually not. referring to mindfulness meditation, okay. which is the the simple practice of I focusing on your breath. When a thought comes in, just let it go past and come back to your breath. If you do that for, say, 12 minutes a day, every single day over an eight-week period. The, yeah. And this is based on this guy's article that I read. Right. He dove in. He's like, I'm going to try it. You know, I'd never done it before. And he did it. And he kind of wrote about it. And in the process of doing that, he then did a bunch of research on right. the research of this. And then, Well, my, my thought is that if you are just getting into meditation and you go to an expert, they will say, they'll give you these hard and fast rules of like, okay, 20 minutes a day. And maybe it's think of a mantra or do what you just said. This is the parameters for which you should work within. But the most expert meditators, let's say a Buddhist monk, is living meditatively every single day. So from the moment they wake up through their sleep, even I would argue, they're in this set. So now it becomes uh, doing a household chore is part of their meditative process. Preparing a meal is part of their meditative process, which is very, very different than what the expert would have told you to do. And I would argue... Not that I'm enlightened, but I'm somewhere in the middle where it's kind of like I don't benefit from that regimented 20-minute thing. I'm actually good by incorporating that into my morning ritual of getting up and making coffee and brushing my teeth and going through my shower. That's all meditative process for me just to reset my intention for the day, reset where I'm at. Now, Scott's rolling his eyes. He doesn't believe that I'm enlightened. No, I think you're rationalizing a little bit. I think that all of us are a little bit afraid to sit with ourselves for six minutes, 12 minutes. That's what I think. I think you just revealed a lot about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's still trying uh, to reconcile the woman that he left behind when he was running down the street naked <laughs> to her abusive boyfriend when she should have, you should have defended her fair honor. I was just lying in bed meditating and the guy attacked me. What can I tell you? Lying in the bed meditating with morning wood. Oh I, <laughs> you're the one that said it. Hey, you know, it's a natural you, physiological phenomenon. Still at this age? Good for you, Scott. <laughs> what do you uh, mean this age? Hey, I'm you a know, virile... Forty something. Good for you. Um, you know what I was thinking about as you said that, as you were scrambling to try to remember the guy's name. Yeah. I don't always share people's names. Whenever somebody emails, I give them a little bit of an anonymity, or like say their name and their first initial from Did their you last say name. Anonymity. Yeah. Wow, you really sounded that out. How do you say it? Anonymity. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I'll I'm give about. you a little hint. Yeah. Because a lot of people struggle with that word, and if you're struggling with that word, just realize that there's a girl named Anna. And her last name is Nimity. And you're dating her. And you're running out of her bedroom in the morning. Running from anonymity. <laughs> you're running from anonymity. Uh, chasing celebrity. Mm. Chasing a girl named Sel. Sel- no, anyways. Um, so anyways, I had this experience when I was... I had a wine shop. And a customer came in and he bought an expensive bottle of wine. And he would... He was a new customer. I'd never met him before. And first time in, and he's like, yeah, I want to spend about, you know, I think it was like 80 bucks on a Napa Valley Cabernet. And I'm like, all right, cool. It's a nice bottle of wine. I steer him into something, send him on his way. He's like, yeah, I got a date tonight. I'm really excited about it. You know, we're going to this nice meal, blah, blah, blah. So then he shows up the next weekend for a wine tasting with his wife. 
and I look at both of them. I'm like, oh, I remember you. Hey, dude, how was that, you know, whatever, Napa cab? And he looks at me and just kind of his eyes go giant wide. And she looks flummoxed like, what? What are you talking about? And he and he diverts really quickly. And I didn't quite figure out why or what had happened. He was good enough at diverting the conversation to where we just ran down another track and had a nice evening or whatever. Next time I saw him, he was like, dude, you cannot. You got to play it way cooler than that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, he was buying that bottle of wine to go out with his mistress, which I was completely naive to at the young age that I was doing that. I was just like, why would you... Go out with two women at once. What are you even talking about? Like, I was completely a, confused. Yeah, he's a, he's a no good finagler. How so, crazy is that? That's funny. And then I learned that really seared into my brain. Like, oh, people, I don't, not everybody lives their life with the same, like, <laughs> honesty. Code, yeah, that I'm living with. Like, I need to just presume that everybody is doing scumbag. something else. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I've carried that with me into the podcast world where it's like, I don't know, maybe. This guy could be a drug dealer. Who knows? Better not say his name. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because maybe in the detail where we're reading his email, we reference where he lives or yeah. where he surfs. And that's enough information for, I don't know, the creditors to track him down or whoever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, at any rate, Scott, we are here. Show me what you're reading. We are here at the Surfing oh. Heritage and Culture Center yeah. where you have in your hands... What is this? This is the surfing yearbook number four from, it looks like like 1970 or 1971 or something based on the boards they're writing. The surfing yearbook. What it's is pretty that? cool. I don't know. It looks like Surfing Magazine put together a yearbook and it's all on, what's really cool is it's all on surfboards. It's like, it's a very, it's basically the surfboard issue. Wow. And they've got David Nueva and Billy Hamilton and Jeff Hackman. You know, there's pictures of guys shaping. They're talking about designing. It's like 69, 1969, awesome. yeah. Um, it's a uh, one of the very many pieces of surf media that is crammed into this library that we share at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Very generously donates our podcast studio space to us. So if you're ever in San Clemente, this is the Smithsonian of Surfing, or you can visit them on shack.org, S-H-A-C-C.org. Um, and then also shout out to, uh, our beloved neat essentials who keeps us in business Absolutely. year in and year out at this point. I mean, we're probably three years in with neat essentials. Absolutely. So thanks to them for keeping us in business. Yeah. Scott, you presented a beautiful idea for today's podcast. By the way, when I went to Montana after our last podcast, oh, yeah, yeah. I took your advice and brought my Big, warm, puffy, neat essentials. Man, that thing was perfect. The hooded I one? was toasty. Yeah, we yeah. went to Yellowstone in the snow. It was cold. It was like 20 degrees. And I was laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty psyched. Not only wetsuits. No. Mountain gear as well. Right. Outerwear. Um, neatessentials.com. And you also went to Surf Expo. Should we do that or should we yeah, do Yeah, no. I went to Surf Expo. That was really cool. Um the guys at Reef, um, Shea Perkins and um, Chuck Elliott and John Hall and and that crew there, Mike Mady, um, Mike Lossness, they they invited me to be the MC, basically do a Q and A with Billy Kemper and Shane Dorian. So we did that, and that was a lot of fun. Between two guns. Yes, it's funny. Yeah. Between two guns. So I just kind of try to sit on the side and, and not take too much of the energy away and let those guys run and talk story. And kind of I just prompted them a little bit and let them 
go. And of course, both those guys, Shane and Billy, are highly intelligent and great talkers and are able to carry a, a great anecdote and, a, and good stories and keep the thing flowing. And uh, it was really a big hit. Everyone at was Surf Expo was super stoked on it. I was blown away how well attended and how engaged and captivated the audience. They didn't leave, mm-hmm. you know, and they could have. There was a lot of other stuff going on at that time. So it was cool. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, should have recorded it. Dude. Yeah. You're not kidding. <laughs> Did they prevent you from doing it? No, you... no. Oh, okay. They we just didn't didn't get it together technically yeah, to record enough. it. Um, how was Surf Expo at large? I thought it was great. I I um I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, I I walked the halls, the aisles as I normally do, and said hi to a bunch of clients and shook hands and watched some of the shape off there that Ricky Carroll puts on. Um, Matt Calvani, they were they did a balsa, they did a balsa shape off. And they gave each guy four and a half hours to shape this board. Wow. So there was only, I think there was two or three guys. Kenny Briel? Kenny Briel, Matt Calvani, and... I'm not sure who the Somebody was. else. I, I, I don't recall. I just watched Matt's. Yeah. But, um, and I don't know who won. I, I left the day that they were announcing it, but... Um, well, I know John Opito from Rosburn was shaping, but, but I thought he was shaping foam. Yeah, the, there were some foam demos. There was gotcha. a, a whole day of demo guys, like um, Jordan... Um, Brazy and John Opito and Ricky Carroll, they all did. Ricky Carroll shaped a board in under 30 minutes. Like, that was his whole thing. Like, that was sort of the, the fun of Ricky Carroll's thing. He's like, okay, everyone, watch this. He's going to shape a board in under 30 minutes, you know. And, and without st- any um, quality spared. Like, he's he can... Oh, he had time left over. He was drinking a beer with one minute left, yeah. and it was like a killer. Yeah, he's Like, crazy. he fully powered it, you yeah. know. He's amazing. Yeah. So that was good. So I mean, any trends that you noticed? Was it busier than normal? Was it brands like what was the uh, representation was it well attended the big As a guy who kind of the big show. buzz the kind of the big buzz was hurley yeah you know and and hurley like laying like, getting rid of the team members and it, it felt like everyone was kind of like anti a little bit anti hurley that was kind of the not me personally but well of course not bob hurley but they're hurley. pro original hurley right they're, they're pro, anti what's gonna happen right exactly everyone's like okay here's the next op or whatever this is and so of course that you know as you and i know raw and everyone knows rob machado was let go which to me is like wow that's a mistake you know but but they've got a different model apparently you know like and so you know I don't want to get into my predictions, but... but okay, because that falls into my predictions as well. Yeah, but so, but, so the, the vibe at the Surf Expo, the vibe that I got was like, Hurley's dead to us. You know, like, that was kind of the vibe. Like, everyone was like bummed that the people that are now running Hurley are going to drive this really cool brand away from core into Macy's or whatever, you know. Worse than Macy's. Yeah, like... Walmart, Kmart, right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, what I was suggesting... <laughs> Worse than Macy's. <laughs> That's funny. The concept of worse than Macy's only because I don't know. I I don't. There's I no don't differentiation yeah. between those two. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know Walmart was worse than Macy's. But yeah, it is. Okay. What's uh, worse than Walmart? Is Walmart the worst? Like where's Target? No, I think Target's better than Walmart. Okay. Walmart's uh, the lowest of the low. No, no, no. There's lower. Really? Kmart's worse than Walmart. Kmart. I would, I would yeah. say Big Lots is worse than Kmart. Okay, Big Lots. And then you get like to like Salvation Army. Is that after Big Lots? Is there Salvation Army has dignity? Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, like the price point. Yeah, the price point's lower. <laughs> Same goods, 
But they're used. <laughs> but they're, <laughs> they're used. You get the used big lot goods at Salvation Army. Yeah. You can find some good stuff at the Salvation Army. I think that's exactly right. Good yeah. khakis, like marine gear, like used marine gear. You can, you know, like army khakis. A, a lamp you could find there. Yeah, you know, like a digital clock that you might need to wake up. Something. Shoes you would find there. Shoes. Wow, you would go with shoes at Salvation Army? No, but you could find them there. I wouldn't go with them. I think the last You could find around. a cassette tape. Wow. At the Salvation Army? You would need a cassette player, though. Probably could find that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, antiquated tech technology at Salvation Army. For you sure. Yeah. For sure. Because when you go to throw away your VCR or your DVD player at this point, I mean, do you want to throw that in the dumpster? No, you don't. You want to give it to somebody, and that's where you would gift it. Right. What are you looking at? <laughs> what was that face? <laughs> Can't tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Now I really want to know. Um, okay, well, your great idea for today's podcast um, was two thousand or 2020 predictions. Yes. We're going to present our genius-level predictions for yes. this next year. Our predictions. So do you want to start with number one, and then I'll go to my number one, or do you want to do – I did five. I think I asked you to do five, right? I got four and a half. So do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go – Since you have one more than I do, you start. Okay, do we start with number five and work up? I didn't, I didn't or is uh, it not prioritize right? mine. Okay. So I'll start, I guess, my number one prediction for 2020. Okay. My number one prediction is that – there will be a surfer drug tested by the World Anti-Doping Association during the Olympic Games in Tokyo, and a surfer will get DQ'd, will test positive, and um, it will put a very slight tinge and taint on surfing in the Olympics. Fascinating. And again, these are just predictions that I grabbed out of thin air. I'd base all of my predictions on absolutely nothing except... Don't soft pedal it. Okay. Surfer's going to get DQ'd. Yeah, it might not to the metal. Could be like a Chinese surfer. Who knows? No, I'm. Well, the second thing that you're going to need to address is who is the surfer. You're going to need to identify. Oh, I a need surfer. to identify. Okay. But before we do, um, I think that you are a hundred percent correct. I would co-sign this prediction wow. and say that yes, but the drug will not be a performance enhancer. Okay. So it's going to be a very different kind of thing to address than it was for, let's say, bicycle racing. Right. Like the whole purpose for doing the drugs for bicycle racing is to be a better racer. For the surfing, it's going to be a recreational, let's say, experience-enhancing drug. Mushrooms. Marijuana. 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 Is, I don't even see – here's the thing that, where we lack research. Is marijuana even on the WADA list of things that you can't take? Yes. Oh. It is. Okay. Um, well, for sure, it's going to be marijuana. For, well, somebody's going to claim, I don't know, it was a gummy somebody gave me. I thought it was just a treat. I took it on the plane. I didn't even know. No wonder I slept so well. Right. Exactly. Uh, although, I would, I mean, I think there's other drugs that might actually be more prevalent in surfing at this point than that. Like, there's drugs that are just hip to do. Um, when I did that episode with Sal, he talked about his recent ayahuasca experience, <laughs> you know, and like that's a hip thing nowadays for some reason because celebrities it's almost jumped about the shark. It, and, it was kind of hip like five yeah, years right. ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or I could see mushrooms. I could see some of the, like the top level surfers utilizing mushrooms. Mushrooms are on the rise as far as pop culture, right? Totally. Like I'm sure you've seen some stuff in the papers about the medicinal quality of magic mushrooms, like right. what they can do to help. 
psilocybin. In very, what they call microdosing yeah, it or something? Psilocybin as a, um, has definite medicinal benefit for treating things like PTSD, trauma, things like that. They're, they're using, they're, it's all still um, being studied. So you... The benefits can't be stated as fact. But somewhere in Europe, they're actually no, doing it. No, in Colorado, like in um, John Hopkins University is doing right, it. Right, it's been like, studied. But my point is in Europe, they're just like, let's just do it. Like, we're so slow. Our FDA is so slow to regulate. You know, we're such a regulatory process. For that. sure. So, but the, the problem with using it willy-nilly, so to speak, in the past is that um, obviously you can use too much and you have more hallucinogenic, which has like all these side effects for your personal life or just your decision making. So the medicinal benefit is probably overshadowed in those cases. What was your last psilocybin experience? I have like? never. What? I've never. I thought you told me that's where the chop hop came from. The great idea of the chop hop came to me <laughs> in an acid trip. No, psilocybin <laughs> in Joshua Tree? No. no. That didn't happen. That's all a rumor. I know. You can screenshot the text and post it in your stories if you can find it. <laughs> um, so yeah, there is... I would say that there's certain drugs that probably that level of surfer that's going to be at the Olympics is probably more apt to do than marijuana at this point, you know? Um, Can we drill it down to like which country? Oh, I was going to say a continent <laughs> like South America, Central America, America, North America, Australia. I'm going to go... I guess what we would say, Pan-Asia or something? To yeah, cover this that feels one. now racial to me. Like, if I say, if I name a continent, then it'll become... Dude, you just said pedal the metal. We're going to, like, all I'm asking you to do yeah, is this say... This is your prediction. Which continent is this, <laughs> this surfer going to come from? I predict this surfer comes from Central America. Okay. Because you? Now, you've got to do one. Um... I, yeah, I feel like that could be accurate. Central America. The smallest region is the one we're but, picking. No, it's also the region where like it's... Um, Loosey-goosey? Yeah, not as much regulation, not as much uh, criminal, or not as much government like... Maybe the coaches aren't, aren't quite as like, okay, everybody, we're going to piss test right. eight weeks prior to the Olympics. So you guys are clean. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Do you know how long it has to be out of your system? I don't. You know, Mark Johnson, that guy I did. Yeah, yeah. Mark Johnson, who... If you go back in some boardroom podcasts, I did an, a great interview. Well, I don't know if it's great, but he was a great guest. He wrote a book about the entire Olympic um, WADA, the whole drug testing industry. So you should take a listen to Mark Johnson's podcast. But Mark would know, is my point. I, I don't know. Yeah. Off the top of my head. I'm I would sure he'll email me if he hears this. Yeah. Um, Mark Johnson, where is that? I'm trying to look up which number it is. Number 25. Boardroom podcast number 25. Uh, well, that's a great prediction, Scott, and I fully agree with you. All right. What's your um, prediction? Your first prediction. So my predictions, I've got it broken down between WSL, business, what we're going to see in terms of progression, what we're going to see in terms of podcasting, and then a little romance section. A wow. dating, a couple's I have, I have some romance. Okay. So my first prediction, I'm going to go with the WSL. Okay. Expect to be paying $60 a year to stream events in 2021. But this will be announced in 2020. All right. So WSL is going to pivot from pivot into freemium model streaming. So you'll get some events 
for free, some content for free, and then you'll have to pay a premium to watch, I'm gonna argue the CT events or what's gonna be the premium, the premium content. So everyone else is doing it. They're gonna follow, how could they not? Who's everyone else? Netflix, okay. Disney, Apple, Amazon, sporting organizations. Scott's looking for a pen. I might have. I have uh, some notes for the first time in 2020. I don't want to interrupt you. I got ideas. In there go you ahead. go. I came prepared for you. Right. Um, so not only are those, I don't know, those are actually uh, media companies, you know, Disney, Netflix, all that stuff. Amazon, um, Apple is actually a tech company, but they're all getting into streaming. So are sporting organizations. I mean, it's true. You know, like, and yeah. even if you want to watch events on ESPN, you have to have like the premium version of that. ESPN to, Plus or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But then the most direct parallel in sports to surfing, as I've argued over and over, is the UFC. And the UFC has pay per view events, but then they also have like television um, partnerships. Like kind of qualifiers almost. Well, like, no, just reality shows, like The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, right. No, but I meant the actual competitions. Then like they it, have those, too. You'll have, rarely see the top of the top of the top be for free on NBC. Right. you got to pay-per-view it. They have the UFC Fight Night events, yeah, where you can watch the lower guys yeah. battle it out and girls. And then, yeah, the premium stuff goes on to very, very profitable uh, pay-per-view. Okay. So, so CT in 2021, we're expected to pay $60 a year? Yeah. Five you bucks an a, event. You, or okay. five bucks a month. Okay. Yeah, basically five bucks an event, too. There's 11 events for the men's side. Um, so I had a thought. I don't know if it makes sense as I write it out here, but could we see a situation where the first two rounds of yeah. each event are free, and then they like, okay, to see... Great idea. Last two days, you got to pay. Totally. So there's a lot more that comes with this as we transition into this model. Um, Does this come with any discussion that you maybe had with anybody like Dave... No. Prodan or... No, we, you and I have had this discussion for years now. Right, I know, but it, you, came, you came with such a strong take with so much conviction that I feel like you've I've got just, some inside info. But this is just... I, there's no inside info. There's just a bunch of information floating in the ether that when you start to piece it together, right. you realize this is the only way forward. One of those bits of information is the WSL operating at a loss, period, forever, and them trying to sort out a model. Right. Well... Why don't you just look to Disney and Netflix and everybody else and follow what they've in the UFC and follow what they've done? This is the model forward. Right. It dovetails with athletes losing sponsorships. It's harder to secure sponsorship as a professional surf athlete now than it ever has been before. Absolutely. And you can look at, I mean, the Hurley thing that we're going to get into later in the show, they were the biggest employer on tour, right, of sponsored. So if they're not paying athletes anymore where are all of those a-list talent athletes going to go there's not enough other brands to pick them up and secondly those brands so are you suggesting that the revenue from this premium thing is going to go back to the athletes that's exactly what i'm suggesting is part of that new business model for the wsl they are going to need to invest in athletes wow athletes are going to need to start collecting a salary legitimate salary from the WSL. Mm. And I think that that'll also force the WSL to cut the tour from 32 down to 17. Is this all part like of your prediction? Or am I, are you just riffing right now? Because you're coming no, up. No, it's all part of the prediction. It all, again, all of this information is existing. 
Things are broken. Brands are broken. They can't afford to pay athletes. It's not equitable. So you're saying all the things we've talked about are coming to a head Completely. in 2021 and it will unfold in 2020 the, through press releases and so forth and so on. The WSL would be wise to heed these words and to see all of these broken pieces laying and go, hey, we can pick them up and structure our business in such a way that we will hold all the cards. That's what they need to do. I, I think it's fascinating. The one thing that I have a problem with is this idea that the WSL is going to have to pay for the athletes. Not a problem. They Does have UFC to. pay for the athletes? Yes. They do. They pay million-dollar prize purses. Well, they've got, a, they've got some massive revenue coming in. Because, because of what I'm saying, because right. they have pay-per-view and all of these things. So my point is incentivize these athletes to actually come and do these events. And if look, if, if they're losing market share in terms of viewership, and Red Bull does a big event. Or Rip Curl just decides this money would be better sent sending Gabriel Medina somewhere and making a video out of that. Because the WSL isn't getting views anymore. They will, cont- they will shift those dollars in those directions. So the WSL needs to recognize at a certain point, if we just pay them, it doesn't even have to be millions of dollars. If we just pay them, I don't know what the number is. 80 grand. More than that, you know? Depends. Well, Depends no, what tier you're at. Last, so the last. Play, I mean, the number if one. If you get guys, last place, no. If you get last place on tour, it's eight thousand bucks an event, times eleven events. So that's eighty-eight thousand dollars. Backing it, and then you got to back out your expenses, of course, for traveling and all right. that. But if the WSL says, "Look, you come surf on this tour, and you get a bare minimum, let's say, quarter of a million bucks a year for the seventeen surfers," right. you can supplement yeah. that with sponsorships. Okay. Side note: Look at the NBA. Yeah. Certainly, LeBron has shoe contracts, and like the top performers have shoe contracts. That's a little different. The NBA doesn't pay them; the teams. Correct. That is so. That is different. But I, my point is that the way that sponsorships will exist in the future is going to be more akin to the NBA model. It's going to be John. John has a sponsorship that he does make four million dollars a year on. Courtney Conlog just picked up Ralph Lauren. You know, polo. And to them, Polo, they're paying her probably a pittance compared to what they would pay a model a day rate. But to Courtney, it's huge compared to what she was making previously. What's fascinating about this, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. What's fascinating to me about this is, you let's say you've got X amount of dollars as a company going to John John, and he's not pulling it off. Like the ROI, I mean, if you could get cameras on the team managers of these guys and having them pulling their hair out while surfer x isn't pulling up isn't living up to his dollar amount it's kind of interesting the way that nike has done it is jordan shoes and now this is a brand entity within nike and jordan you get a cut of this so you're incentivized and that's what the brand who ends up sponsoring the pro surfer needs to also do it's not enough it's not worth paying john john his salary if you're just going to use his images in your branding and in your marketing. You need to actually have a line of products with this person that incentivizes them to live their best, not only live, uh, but to perform at their peak, you know? Yeah. So that's the model that I see happening. And the, I'm not saying that the WSL um, is going to do this. I'm saying they should be wise. They would be wise to do this. They would be wise to look at the fallout all these, the surf industry is broken in a lot of ways, and they're leaving tons of runway for the WSL to just pick up the pieces, start implementing, building this foundation to where they hold all the cards. They're paying the athletes. The athletes are incentivized to come surf for the WSL because they're getting paid the highest rate there, and they're not getting offered paychecks elsewhere. 
they're going to surf the best waves in the world because now we have G-Land on tour. We have all these things on. And then you're going to get the most viewership if you come do this thing. And if we can continue to build our, our, our revenue stream through this pay-per-view model, we'll pay you more. Do you see this evolving to this place that you and I have spoken about for a long time, which is we don't even need 17 surfers. The ROI is way better when we get four guys at G-Land than if we get 17 guys at G-Land. Yes. Let's just follow the the UFC once again. Exactly. So John John and Gabriel only have to surf three times a year because they've proven their worth. But the WSL will also build out these sub-tiers of the business, these qualifying series of the business, once the viewership supports it, which is the UFC fight night thing. So it's like we're going to watch the top 20 through the top 10 go surf at lowers. They don't get to surf GLAN or Pipe, you know? Um, well, we'll see how it plays out. I, I think if I'm getting a ton of ROI on John, John, and Gabe, I'm having them surf more than three times no, a year. No, you're only getting that ROI because they're only surfing that free. It's supply and demand. Scarcity. Yeah. Hmm. But maybe you do send them out to go do a free surf edit. I mean, I would suggest to you that you and I will watch John, John, and Gabe every month. No problem. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't think it needs to be the contest format. I don't know. We shall see. You, you've opened up a Pandora's box of opportunity. But isn't it a much more logical business model? We think so. It's a hell of a prediction, David. I'm, in, I'm sticking with it. So the prediction is, by the way, <laughs> yeah, in, 2021, the in 2021, expect to pay $60 a year for surfing, but that'll get announced in 2020. All right. And that will lead to bigger and bolder things of which we're not quite sure, but we seem to think we do know. I think it'll advance pro- progress in surfing. I think it'll advance progression. Surfing will get better. Well, this is going to dovetail into my second prediction. Okay. My second prediction for the year 2020 is that John John Florence signs with Billabong, leaves Hurley altogether as part of this Hurley bloodbath, team team rider bloodbath that's that's taking place. Wow. Billabong. Because Billabong, their marketing department's headed by Evan Slater. Evan's a competitive guy. Evan is dear friends with the Hurleys. I think his wife worked there for... Evan worked there forever, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. A bunch of people worked there. But anyway, Billabong's kind of... When I look at the core brands, when I th- was thinking about the core brands that make sense for John John, what are the brands? Salty Crew. Vulcan. Vulcan. They're kind Quick of corpo. Silver. Quicksilver, Rip Curl, Rip Curl. They're all sort of corporately held companies, right? Like none of them are like Uber core the way Hurley was even kind of core, even though they were part of Nike. They, just because they were part of Nike, they seem kind of core, like an athlete based company. Um, and I just think that Evans, Evans like John John's out there. Let's get the best guy. We're Billabong. Billabong seems to be on the rise as far as the brand itself. You know, it's all owned by board riders. Like Quicksilver and Billabong owned by the same company. I just think Billabong. I, I just think Billabong. I was just kind of lightly thinking about it, and I was, and I thought of Evan. I, I could see Evan going. I've got it. If I can get John, John, I'm gonna, we're gonna swoop him up. Well, of course, Evan would want that. I think, with all due respect to Evan, it's bigger. This is a bigger decision than Evan, and it's. I think John, John would actually be a little short sighted. I think when. Uh, Kelly left Quicksilver. One of the things that I said was 
he's outgrown Quicksilver. Like, what can Quicksilver offer him that Kelly can't really go get on himself and actually potentially reap tremendous benefits from starting his own companies? How's that worked out? Great question. Are you just thinking a John John brand? I don't think it's a John John brand. I think that John John, like I just said, Courtney Conlog has a deal with Ralph Lauren. Okay, so you're I think John John could partner with Rolex. Yeah, any and, like, but Rolex wouldn't conflict with a clothing brand. It but it, it could be a clothing brand like Ralph Lauren. I see something something just big. Huge. Yeah, something, something yeah like Nike. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, that would be weird, wouldn't it? Well, what's weird about your prediction, or what's interesting about it, is that Hurley came from Billabong. Right, right. And so it'd be interesting to see the team, their key team rider, go back to Billabong. It'd be yeah. a boon for Billabong. Yeah, I agree. Though it does seem like I'm not sure Billabong could could handle the fiscal the fiscal responsibility of that. I don't know. They also already have an amazing team. I don't know. I mean, they got Griff Colapinto. They've got Seth, Seth. Moniz. They got Elo. They've got, they got the, the world they've champ. Got the world champ. They've got Jack Freestone. Where does first of all? I'm assuming that John John gets out of his contract or that they fire him. I no, don't even I think know. He's that, still on for two or three yeah, years. Yeah, so that, that so, might not play out in 2020. Maybe that's a bad prediction. Well, so for everybody to bring everybody up to speed, um, who got cut? Blue, from Hurley? Blue Star Alliance bought from Nike Hurley, and Blue Star Alliance also owns Bebe, Kenzie, Brookstone, Limited Two. It's a company that manages a portfolio of over 300 licenses. So from their website, they said, our team of experts embark on a complete and thorough understanding of a brand's potential channels of distribution and price point strategies. We create tools such as brand development profiles, trend guides, style guides, and marketing strategies. These marketing materials portray graphic illustrations and a strategic marketing roadmap to enhance consumer brand recognition, end quote. Holy cow. If that's not corpo, I don't know what is. And what that is saying is, we're going to find put you into our meat grinder, and that meat grinder shoots out a bunch of categories, and we're just going to strategically place you in these categories. So remember when I was a kid? No, you don't. But when <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, Body Glove was a wetsuit company. Shortly thereafter, I'm in Target, and they have beer cozies with Body Glove branding on them. Body Glove Mou- shampoo, mouse pads. <laughs> yeah, there's everything. anything that could be made out of neoprene and beyond. There's body glove things of on an end cap at Target and inflatable SUPs from body glove, you know, and that's the direction that this is going. So there's other uh, licensing companies that have a little bit more discernment and want to preserve a brand's integrity. It's evident that Blue Star Alliance isn't that company. Blue Star Alliance is going to put Hurley logo on everything possible and just bilk it. So. That's why people are sad about the direction that things are going. So um, who have they cut? I know they cut Michelle Perez, right? I mean, do you have any idea of who they've cut? I, we know everybody, cut- everybody whose contract isn't up for renewal. So the only ones who, I'm sorry, everybody whose contract is up for renewal is getting cut. The ones that I know that are not up for renewal yet are John John Florence, Chloe Andino, Carissa Moore, and Felipe. So consider that everybody else is getting cut. And, so and their contract might come up in six months from now. So right. if you see it on Julian's board, I don't know Julian's deal, but his might be up in six months and then you won't see it anymore. Nobody's so, getting renewed. So those four guys are like, well, three guys. is John John going to get renewed? We don't John know. John. I mean, will they keep one staple or that doesn't even matter? As far as we know, yeah. from what's been reported, nobody is getting renewed. Right. It's just that some contracts aren't up for three okay. more years. 
So all of these people are looking and going, Where's, where am I landing? What's my landing place here? And I think they need to start looking big picture. Mercedes-Benz. Well, for Tag sure, John Hoyer, John. Yeah. You know, all for that sure, stuff. For sure, John John. And Carissa, frankly. Yeah. Um, Your next prediction. My next prediction. Let me see. I think that... <clears throat> It's in the. This falls under the realm of where are we going with progressive surfing in 2020? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest leap forward is going to take place on the women's world tour, where a female will stomp a legitimate full rotation air. It's going to be a no grab, and this is going to be done by either Lakey Peterson <laughs> or Caroline Marks, yeah. or potentially one of the new rookies on tour. If this does not happen, this is a failure of the women's tour. It needs to happen. Like when you look at the level of surfing, somebody needs to stake a claim. There's this kind of vying for power of uh, Lakey, and they're all like marginally competing to be better than one another. Somebody needs to come out and stake a claim of difference, like That's Felipe be, Toledo did in 2015. I think it could be Lakey Peterson. Yeah. If Lakey Peterson can stay healthy and like free of injury, it could be Lakey. And to be honest, Carissa's taking this year off tour. She just won a world title. She announced that she's not coming back for this season. She will compete in the Olympics, but. If it happens without her kind of vying for that, I think that's going to be a shame for her. But I really think that somebody, dude, if Sally Fitzgibbon could spend the offseason doing airs and show up at Snapper or maybe it runs a D-Bot and just land a full rote and just be like, I'm here to finally stop being a bridesmaid, that would be a boon. That'd be cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And somebody just needs to own it. Yeah. I need to see somebody leap into first position. Okay. It's not going to be Steph Gilmore. No. Steph is a title contender, but if somebody can do this, Princess Diana does not do aerials. Let, she it, needs let to, it be known. I want to see comes it. down from the monarchy. If if somebody can uh, create a point of difference for their surfing in this manner, the world is kind of their oyster. Again, with all these broken parts in surfing, we need a hero to rise, and we're not seeing it. We see these moments of progression, but we need to see somebody come out and just stake their claim. What about Tatiana Western? It Webb? could be Tati. Could be her. Huh? It totally could be Tati. Yeah, yeah. In my list of people that it could be, I put. Oh, no, this is a different list that I put. There's a bunch of sponsorless females in the top ten. Lakey in third, presuming that Hurley, she's not on Hurley anymore, which I don't know. She's sponsorless in third position. Sally is in fifth fifth position. Sponsorless, and when I say sponsorless, I mean with like a marquee sponsor. Right. She has Almond Breeze. She has got some money coming in, but it's not like a big sponsor. Tatiana Weston Webb is in sixth place with no sponsor. Courtney Conlog is in seventh now with Ralph Lauren. Um, Joanne DeFay in eighth, no sponsor. Malia Manuel's in ninth. She has Lululemon. I don't know if that qualifies as a marquee sponsor. So you got to work for your supper right now. Go and show us. Like, if you can't do a full rote air in 2020, I don't know that you deserve a place on tour. Regardless of whether it's a junior level, men's, women's, whatever, stomp one. This is 2020. I've seen kids doing them at the NSSA for 10 years now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Get on it. You're bringing it. All right. That's an interesting one. And I think it will happen. All right. I'm predicting it will. That's My prediction now. is a woman will stomp a full rote All right. 2020 in, con- in a contest. I have um, an, as well a competitive prediction. I this isn't going too far out on a limb, but my prediction for 2020 is that Gabe Medina 
will fend off John John Florence, and he will do something spectacular. He will win the world title the same year that he wins the Olympic gold medal. Wow. Gold medalist Gabe Medina, world title. Wow. Gabe Medina, 2020. So and I bet it happens before pipe. This is really interesting. Uh, there's never been tougher competition for Gabe Medina. You, you're throwing Idolo out of the title race? In that yeah, game? he's going to have a sophomore slump. That that would be logical. That happens. Yep. I don't see it happening to Idolo. Okay. I see Idolo hitting the gym in the offseason. This is I my s- prediction, not yours. I'm going to argue against it. <laughs> I co-signed the first one. You can yeah. feel good about that. I guess or not. Uh, I, so I also don't like you throwing John John aside with such reckless abandon. Yeah. I think John John's going to bring it. Name a time when Gabriel outdid John John. Let pipeline round quarterfinals or whatever. It He's was. coming back from injury. He had a knee brace on. <laughs> I bet the last heat they served. Is that good enough for you? Yeah. No, it isn't good enough for me because John John would not have served that event had Olympic qualification not been on the line nor his sponsorship. I think right. John John looked at that event and was like, I have to at least make an appearance. And even if I'm surfing at 30%, that's the number I'm assigning to him. Uh, <laughs> he had a knee injury. He couldn't walk one week prior. It was all Okay, show. he could walk, but he couldn't surf one week. One, I'm, not, I'm sorry, one month prior. I'm getting my dates confused. One but, month prior, he couldn't stand on a surfboard. That next month, he's surfing in the Pipe Masters. Come on. He was just doing it to shore up his Olympic qualification. Over I agree. And nobody that's a known fact. Lo- I agree with you. And nobody loves John John Florence more than I. Yeah, I do. I am saying that Gabe You know Medina- going to feel just hearing you say that? I'm telling you that Gabe Medina feels wronged by what happened in Portugal. Gabe Medina. Was it Portugal? Where he did that stupid paddle thing? Yeah. Against, against Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Anyway, Gabe, that, that was the... I, I think he's going to come back with... He, mm, Gabe, mm. This, is the, this is the world title that he should have had. 2019 was Gabe Medina's world title. He was almost drinking the champagne. That's his failure. Right, but that's also his his motivation, his catalyst for 2020. Eh, not right. We're going to revisit this. I'm going to play this conversation one year from today. All right. Here's the deal. Okay. Gabriel Medina, a week after, is partying with Neymar, allegedly on an illicit substance. Did you see this video? No. <laughs> Stab posted it. Nice. Um, it was just like Still an Instagram in. video or something. Yeah. It's them like looking high as f. You mean on, like on coke? No, like on Molly or some uh, like hallucinogen. Just... Like at a party with music pulsing, like rave kind of scenario, holding hands like lovers. <laughs> then would. it was Molly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> holding hands like lovers would. Yeah. Like Gabe trying to get out of like a crowded situation, running kind of to get away, and Neymar dragging behind, and they're holding hands. And like this is a, this is why we love stab. This is so great. this is why I love stab. And this is also why Gabriel will not do what you said. Idolo is doing hardcore workouts. He's looking right. more shredded post season than he was in the season of surfing. Gabriel's out partying. Gabriel is at the point where only Gabriel can beat Gabriel, and he is doing everything that he can to beat Gabriel. All right. Well. Let's His biggest competition this. is looking back at him in the mirror. Had I known about the quasi-gay evening with Neymar, I might have re- re- rearranged this prediction. First of all, I don't appreciate your short-sighted labels that you're putting on sexuality in 2020, Scott. 
I mean, it could be bi. It doesn't have to mean that he's gay. Maybe I'm maybe he's just happy. Dally. I don't know. Is he, yeah. Who knows? Just a dalliance, okay? A dalliance. A Molly-induced dalliance. <laughs> and he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Sounds like There's a, no judgment in 2020. A song. My prediction for 2020, Scott is judgmental. <laughs> okay, what's your next prediction? <laughs> My next prediction yes. falls under the realm of business. Okay. And this also fits in with what I was giving with the WSL's prediction as Scott turns to the magazine to tune me out. No, I'm listening. Um, we're going to see a trend continue. That we have been seeing for a long time now and that is this democratization of media surfboards and soft goods everything is cheaper and more accessible more waves are more accessible to more people with better equipment and better surfboards so the prediction is that big business will continue to decline and these small brands that service a core community will thrive so sectors Specifically, that we're going to see growth in surfboards are going to see growth, and direct to consumer model will see growth. The big brands that are traded publicly and all that sort of stuff are going to continue to suffer. But you can have three things as we continue to move forward, and this exists outside of surfing, which is where I'm pulling my cues from. Um, you can have quality, you can have a low price, and you can have the third thing is like customer service kind of human interaction, but you can't. You can only have two of the three things at once. So if you have high human interaction and quality, you can't have low cost. You're gonna have an expensive good. So think of a high end retailer. You walk into a surf shop in Venice Beach. You're gonna pay 120 bucks for a t-shirt, but you get this human interaction, this customer service. The boards there are $1,200, $1,500, but it's high quality and human interaction, right? Wow. Or you can have quality and low price, which is like the direct-to-consumer model, but you cut out the human interaction element. You're not going to get coddled. You're not going to get a ton of guidance, but you're going to get, if you know what you want, you can get it for the cheapest price right now and direct to you tomorrow, you know, free shipping or whatever. Or you can get kind of um, human interaction and low price, but you got to watch out that it's a shysty salesman trying to hawk a crappy good. You know what I mean? Sure. So you can have two of these three elements, but you can't have all three. That exists for us right now. And I think it's never been a better time to be a surfer. You can have the warmest wetsuit. You can have the best surfboard. And you can surf good waves. You can even surf man-made waves. You can just go pay for it. You know? Yeah. It's the best time to kind of be a consumer or to be a surfer. Um, democratized. The previous model, by the way, was... There's two or three magazines and there's five brands and all of my experience as a surfer is filtered through those things. So I'm going to only learn about these few surfers who are sponsored by these five brands and I'm only going to hear about things that the magazines are telling me which is supported by advertising dollars. There's no wall. There's no barrier between media and advertisers. So my ex- David's experience growing up as a kid was filtered and absolutely designed by the brands that are supporting the magazines. And so everything was homogenized. We all wanted to surf what Kelly Slater was surfing. We all surfed like Tom Curran, you know? Now it's all democratized where there's kids who are modeling their surfing after some surfer I've never even heard of before. You know, Oscar, I forget the guy, I think Oscar Langborn from Western Australia that I'm like, 
surfs exactly like Craig Anderson. How have I never? And he's got tons of following on social media. How have I never heard of this guy? But then there's also some local hero in Encinitas that everybody's modeling their surfing after. And there's these bespoke brands of clothing that we, you and I haven't seen, but they're profitable. And the owner of the company is making a comfy living and he's doing good supporting local, you know, and sourcing local and all those sort. Like that's the world, that's the trend that we're going to continue to see thrive in 2020. So if you're a business owner listening to this, <clears throat> don't chase. I guess if you look outside of surfing, you see rapid growth from like private capital, grow as fast as possible. All that matters is market share. Grow, grow, grow. Even if you're not earning money, if you're expanding your business and gaining market share, that matters. That doesn't matter in the surf world. What I would argue and advise to surf brands is profitability matters. Connecting with a consumer matters. Focus on quality product, human interaction, connection, providing some good to this core demographic. That's something that has always thrived in surfing. No matter whether surfing was experiencing a boon or not. There was other things that uh, were profitable during the boon, but whether there was a boon or a depression or recession in the world of surfing, the things that always thrived was servicing the core community. So give them a quality product, provide some customer service and human interaction, and you will thrive. And that doesn't matter whether you're making a podcast, a production company, a video production company, whether you are making clothing or whether you are making surfboards. Those things matter and will thrive in 2020. Okay. Like it. Good prediction, David. Thank you. The Democrat, de how do you say that? The democratization? Democratization. 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 democratization okay, my prediction, Carissa Moore goes into full retirement. Oh, really? Full-on retirement. The Olympics are her last hurrah. She becomes... Golfer, a gardener. Mother. mother. Yes. She becomes a mother, which is her right and true calling. She's... That phase of her life where she was the greatest surfer in the world came and went. She'll forever be known as the greatest one of, if not the greatest woman surfer ever. And she's going to become even a greater mom. Why do you think that is her calling? Well, I don't know. I just get the feeling that she has. She came from a great family. She won't probably wants to have a family. Isn't she married now? Yeah, she's married. What is she like? Twenty eight. I don't know. I could look it up. I, I don't mean, know if she's that old, but um, she's into retirement. She's going to surf in the Olympics for her nation and become the world's greatest mom. But what's interesting is that you don't think that she comes back to surf well, anymore. No, not, she was not when in, you're a mom. She was I, born in 92, so she's going to be 27 in August. Okay. I'm sorry, 28 in August. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when you become a mom, especially I sense that she's she, – I get the feeling, and I think you would too if you, if you listen and know who she is and have seen her at all. She's a very nurturing, loving – dedicated person to whatever she's going to be into and when she when you become a mom and you're that type of person that's what that's what you, you're dedicated to in other words i don't see her one foot in motherhood one foot in competition i it's mean all or nothing and she's for done. her specifically yeah for her yeah. specific it's interesting i it when i do think about her um 
all of the post-heat interviews that I've seen with her or interviews in general, she is very uh, maternal. Maternal, yeah, like very loving and yeah, just like nurturing, soft and nurturing, sweet, and yeah, calm. like couldn't say a bad word about Isn't another she competitor. Be a great period. mom, Isn't she Well, I think she would be a great mom for sure. I just don't know that she wouldn't return back to competition. I could see her coming back to competition. Gold medal in the Olympics. Or just, just gold medal in the Olympics, four world titles. Is that what she's at for? Something like that. I think she's at four. Um, at least three, but I think four. Yeah, so she's done enough to where she's earned she's whatever earned life she's a hall she wants of from this point on. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I wonder I, I want to make an argument that she has too much competitive drive. By the way, Hurley's, at, Hurley's over now. Right. So I want to make the argument that she doesn't have the competitive drive or that she does have the competitive drive to come back, but I haven't seen that competitive drive. If I really assess it, I haven't seen the competitive drive in her that we know Kelly Slater has. Yeah, no, no. Or that we knew Lisa Anderson had. Yeah, no, no. She doesn't have that. She has the raw talent to win a bunch of world titles. She's already done it. And the competitive savvy to win world titles. She's already done it. But not necessarily the drive. She's climbed that mountain and stood at the top and planted her flag, and now it's time to move into a different chapter. Okay. That's, that's going to provide her with even more fulfillment, fulfillment. and enrichment. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to 50% cosign. I'm cosigning that she will, her maybe intention for 2020 with taking a year off tour is to have a kid. But I do think she will come back. Okay. And I'll further predict that she will come back with a new fervor that'll make her an even more robust athlete and competitor than she was before. All right. Fair enough. All right. I like that. A half cosine. Half cosine. She's not coming back. So my – are we on to mine? Yeah. Uh, my next prediction yeah. is in regard to romance. And <laughs> Is this where we find out about you? No, oh. it is not. I think there's going to be a significant... 1969, there's a shaping machine in yep. this thing. Crazy. Isn't that cool? It Sorry to interrupt. Cool. Um, so for listeners who are wondering, every time I go into my spiel, Scott starts reading the magazine once again. I don't read. I'm just making a picture. I'm listening. <laughs> um, so my prediction is that we're going to see a celebrity coupling. It's about time. Wow. Uh, with a surfer and a legit... A-list celebrity. Oh, I This see. is like Kaipo back in the day with Madonna. <laughs> so it's already happened? No, you don't remember that? Kaipo Guerrero and Madonna were a thing. Uh, Kaipo that does oh. the broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he hooked up with Madonna back in the day. You didn't know this? No, but I mean, he wasn't really... He was just like a grinding QS guy. He wasn't like in the top. Even better. That's my so I'm gonna give you the names that I have, but my prediction is that it's a pro surfer. No I'm not saying I'm not saying it's John John Florence or Gabriel Medina that are gonna partner with a celebrity. Okay. I'm saying just some surfer, some hero what from the surfer. Define partner with. Uh, they're gonna have photos taken together from by the paparazzi. And the that, doesn't Gabe do that already? Not doesn't from Gabe not from hooking some, up with chicks. Doesn't he have some like super rad like Brazilian superstar chick? She's not a superstar. She's like a skateboarder. Oh. But was... I'm saying a legit A-list Hollywood okay. celebrity right. is going to pluck out of su- oh, obscure, oh, ob- general obscurity. Going to get plucked. 
a pluck right. into the limelight that okay. is now on TMZ. And TMZ is going to be scrambling like, okay. oh, so-and-so is with a surfer from the North Shore. But who is this guy? Well, we reached, <laughs> Nobody else knows we reached out to celebrity podcasters, Scott Bass and David Scales, to find out who this person is. And, and who, do, who do you think this person is? I mean, you got to have list. Okay, got good. it. Thank you. I, I need to know. I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to know who these people are, <laughs> but either. these are real people. Okay. Baron Mamiya okay. is the surf person yeah do you know who he is yeah he might be on the ct he he's very well equipped to qualify for the ct charges pipeline does massive airs handsome as all get out so part of he gonna be uh distinguished enough for an a-lister from hollywood yes this is the key factor okay remember when they went and filmed blue crush and kate bosworth hooked up with brock little yeah what happens so that's what this is this is more of a hookup than like a a but boyfriend gonna, girlfriend thing. Paparazzi is going to get photos of it. I don't okay. know how so long the relationship so, lasts. Okay, so it's a re- my but prediction it is, it's is more than a one night stand. It's, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fling, a fling, a torrid fling. A torrid fling could be two weeks, could be two months. Correct. So what is going to happen? This is what the Hollywood celebrity loves. <laughs> Baron Mamiya. Does Baron Mamiya know this? No, yet? he doesn't know. Okay. He's going to hear right. about this. But, he must be excited, and then he'll be prepared. He's going to be very excited. Just be open to it, Baron. Just yeah. leave all options open. Um, Who's the woman? <laughs> I'm gonna get to that. Okay. I'm gonna get to that. But here's the here's the um, the reason why this is appealing to the celebrity is they're used to being thrown. They're used to their agent getting a phone call from Chris Hemsworth, right? Going, hey, he saw you in whatever movie, and he wants to date you. Yeah. So she's all used to all this. But what's gonna happen is she's gonna go on vacation in Hawaii. Right. She's gonna go to the North Shore. Find it's a surfer boy. Bucolic. It's low key. And there's going to be this glistening male egg getting a barrel at pipe. Everybody hoots. So he is somebody. Yeah. You know, it's like it's important. Yeah. And it's like heroic. And it's right. almost barbaric. Ooh. And he gets spit out, right. which is also kind of sexual. And then he comes in. <laughs> then he comes in. And yeah. as he's walking up the beach, yeah, he knows who she is. And she knows. She's like, oh, who is this guy? And then that's where the romance starts. There's that's the attraction. So I did a deep dive Straight into Straight to Lele's for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I did a deep dive into appropriate age group, like who is hot young female actress. Yes. She comes from the Disney world. She starred in a, in a really amazing series on HBO this year called Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Her name is Zendaya. Is that her name? That's it? Zendaya? Yeah. She's got a one name like Madonna, like Zendaya? That's why I picked it. Ah. Zendaya and Baron Mamiya celebrity coupling in 2020 is my prediction. This is great. I love it. This is the, your greatest prediction. Thank you. It's, it's fascinating. Thank you. I can't wait till it comes to fruition. Baron can't either. And Zendaya has no idea what she's about to get into. She's excited. Well, she's. it's a great move for Zendaya, by the way. I mean, this would stimulate more kind of TMZ fodder right. than a lot of other options for her. Right. And it'll be a great thing for Baron Mamiya's career. So it's kind of like Kelly Slater, Pamela Anderson. Very much. It's very much like Kelly Slater, What are some other ones? We've got Kaipo Madonna, Kelly, Pam Anderson, Baron Mamiya, and Zendaya. A sneaky one? Yeah. Do you know Yeah. Super Agent? Yeah. Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) Is that a known thing? Is that a TMZ thing? Or is that an industry Uh, thing? I don't know. It's Yeah, it's a rumor. Remember when Lindsay Lohan was on the North Shore like... Yeah, five like, years ago. For yeah, a this bit. is kind of like Andy era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, well, all right. There you go. That's kind of a low key one, though. 
doesn't really qualify as like a yeah, pro I'm, surfer, but I'm here to share uh, high key and low key news with you, Scott. All right. Okay, my final prediction. Okay. My final prediction is that Kai Lenny is going to use his wing sail, that small air bladder filled sail, much like a kiteboard, but different. He's going to use this for wind propulsion as he foils into a, a beastie West Ball tube at Mavericks. On his foil, he's going to get a stand-up tube with his wing sail. And the wing sticks On out a, the barrel? You can ditch the wing once you're gone. Who picks That's up the, the wing? wing gets picked up by the jet ski. It's just this okay. inflatable bladder thing. Okay. That's the thing. You, get, you use it instead of skis to get up to speed. Gotcha. On your foil, you ditch the wing... And you're off and going, and he's going to get a sick barrel. Okay. On the west. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, me too. The wing sail, tube ride on a foil, Kai Lenny prediction, my final prediction. I think we could see Kai Lenny on surf skis getting barreled at Jaws this year. We could see see him on like... A kayak? Yeah, exactly. Standing on a kayak? Exactly. That's what we'll see from (laughs) Kai Lenny this year. Um, I had a really morbid one. Oh. That's why I said four and a half. I'm not sure that I want to go morbid. Yeah, morbid's weird. Okay, pass on morbid. Plus, I'm running out of time. I gotta I get too. out of here. All right, so I'm gonna give you a duke and a kook and a must see moment. My must see moment uh, fits exactly with what you were just saying. Yeah. It is Nathan Florence and Kai Lenny for their tandem barrel at Jaws. Rad. Did you see? No, this? I did not see Dude, this. This is a legit tandem barrel where the guy in front is legitimately barreled, but and I think it's they're on the same board. They're, no, they're on separate oh. separate boards, same wave. I think I it's think Kai. I, might have seen this. I think it's Kai in the front. I thought Nathan they were on the a back. tandem board. No, that'd be amazing. Yeah, but um, so yeah, romantic celebrity coupling: Nathan Florence and Kai Lenny. In, <laughs> no, uh, so Nathan Florence, Kai Lenny in their tandem barrel at Jaws is the musty moment. Yes, I have a musty moment. I'd love to hear it. There's a couple of them. I know you've seen this. It's actually kind of being um, spotlighted on Surfline right now. Um, the O'Neill's Wave of the Winter. They've, Surfline's put together some highlights from those last couple of days. I think it was the 30th and 31st of December. Pipeline was just insane. There's an incredible wave that I know you've seen of Mark Healy, where it's the most sort of Jerry Lopez-esque second reef roll in to stall to just glorious, mean, deep as you can be on such a bully wave, spit out of the tube. It's just the coloring of the water, the coloring of his board, just... Everything about it, the stalled late drop bottom turn, the whole thing is just, it's very Lopez-y, if that's a word. It is. Lopez-y, mm-hmm. yeah. And that, in addition to Liam O'Brien, who gets sort of the exact opposite, he gets this just mean, super deep, big, draining backdoor tube. Um, those are both my must-see moments. Now, there's a whole slew of other entries into that contest that O'Neill puts on. But those two are the ones that stand out in my mind as just incredible. The Healy wave and the Liam O'Brien wave must see moments. By the way, I ran into our friend who used to work at Spy. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie, super good guy. I ran into him at Surf Expo. Oh, nice. Said hello to him. He said hi to me and we had a good chat. But Charlie is... This used to be brought to you by Spy. So if you're a company out there particularly an eyewear company 
is looking for an opportunity to be a part of our show, this must-see moment segment could be a potential for you. Charlie moved on from Spy, but Charlie has been yeah. the biggest supporter since day one. Yes. And even aside from sponsoring the podcast on behalf of his company, has just sent me encouraging words throughout all of it, like always. And Same chi- with me. Chiming in on stuff. That, Same with me. Yeah, really, really. Positive great affirmation, great insights, ideas. And he is the, I think, the nephew of Pat Rawson. That is true. Yeah. Pat Rawson, of course, the icon of foam, who we'll be honoring this year at the boardroom show. Yep. Yep, yep. Awesome. Well, my Duke is long overdue. Luke Cederman from the Raglan Surf Report. Do you watch it? No. It is so good, dude. Is it? It's pure comedy. Mm. Talking about the democratization of surfing... uh, is that code for who gave him a microphone? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. No, it means he Everybody has his own mic. Uh, yeah, exactly. That is my point is yeah. the, what happens with the democratization is the cream rises to the top. So I don't know that he never would have had a platform when I was growing up. And maybe if he bowed down to the gods at Surfer, they would have let him in as an intern and let him do his little shtick on the side, give him one little page until he proves himself. This, it's just if he's funny, then we all follow and we laugh. You know, and then tomorrow, if he's not funny, we stop following. We stop laughing. We go on to the next thing. That's what's great about this time for the consumer of content or whatever. But he's hilarious. Luke Cederman is a pure, bona fide, comedic talent. He runs his own account, but then he also runs the Ragland Surf Report, and you'll love it. So everybody follow Ragland Surf Report. Okay. Ragland, New Zealand. Ragland, New Zealand Surf Report. It's not, I mean, Ragland being the spot in New Zealand. Right. He's a New Zealander. Um, my Duke is John Wayne Freeman. Do you know this guy? I do. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him on Instagram. So also. he's got an Instagram account where yeah. he, I think it's parody. I'm not sure. Which, it if it's not, then he's my kook. But if it's parody, he's my Duke. <laughs> but he comes up with some pretty funny stuff. He puts together these videos where he basically kind of like parodies a hardcore surfer. And he's sort of some... He's a great sort of uh, personification of surfers are the worst, exactly. or at least the parody that he does. And Surfer Magazine has given him his own show, I think, called like, I don't know what it's called, but it's it's got a name. It's something along the lines of Surfers are the Worst or your Hardcore Surfer's Guide to This or something like that, right? right? And um, so John Wayne Freeman, um, he puts a smile on your face. He comes up with some, he's a pretty good actor. He's doing a pretty good job there. And so awesome, John Wayne Freeman. My kook, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison for going to Hawaii on vacation while the fires are raging in Australia, where 28 people have died was the last number I saw. It's probably increased since then. Uh, 2,000 homes destroyed and over half of a billion, that's billion with an M, animals have died. That was a joke. Um, But I've heard reports that actually a billion animals have died, not half a billion. So who can even quantify how many billions or how many animals have died? I know. You'd have to find carcasses, essentially. But kook is the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who went on vacation to Hawaii. And in his response to the criticism, argued, it's a super difficult and delicate balance to manage personal life and the life of service to the country. And so I had promised my wife and kids a vacation on these dates and i wanted to honor that promise so i can kind of sympathize with him however 
I would argue that this is a catastrophic event once in a lifetime sort of a thing Ooh, that you think it might be more than once in a lifetime that's the concern that this might be a regular deal but this is monumental yes. and you should push aside catastrophic it's a national emergency like it's a world emergency this right. has Thank implications for point. everybody world on the emergency. planet right yeah so um boner move kook of the week kook of the month prime minister scott morrison yeah, I actually have that as one of our stories, but um, let me just rip through it real quick. A couple of things. I've got five little bullet points from Nick Carroll's piece on Surfline. Um, shop owner Kurt Nileholm, who owns Aqua Surf in a small town in Milton, Australia, near some of the best and least known surf spots in Australia, says, we're having people walking into our store having lost everything, smoke dust still on their faces. A second antidote, sadly, one local surfer, longboard legend Lori Andrews, died in his car by the side of the road trying to escape the storm, the firestorm. Another little anecdote, big wave surfer Elliot Marshall found himself fighting to save a family home with his father and brother-in-law. And when they ran out of water, out of nowhere, two local guys pulled up with two water tanks. And they'd been driving around seeing who they could help. So together they saved Marshall's house. So those guys are dukes. Nat Young, his family farm in New South Wales um, burned back in November. And this, this fire has been burning for months. And Nat Young had owned that farm since the 1970s, those pioneering country soil days. And the final little anecdote here, um, Lake Canola, a couple hundred miles south of Sydney, um, David Ford lost a life's work for the past 27 years. David Ford's been rescuing old surfboards from garbage dumps, fixing them up, and storing them away. He had something like 300 of these really cool old boards. Many irreplaceable pieces of history, almost all stashed in the shed on the property. And, of course, all these vintage surfboards, they paint a colorful history of various manufacturing locales. Unique regional history that each board carries. It's a real sad situation. So these fires... Um, which began way back in midwinter off-season in July after an unprecedented three years of drought have steadily sparked and spread across Queensland, eastern Victoria, South Australia, almost the entire New South Wales coastline. As you mentioned, leaving people devastated, animals and people hurt, dead, and uh, property damage. It's horrible. This is a um, result of a confluence of bad scenarios coming together. Um, there's been reports about arson potentially starting some of the fires there apparently a lot of or i think all of the firefighters are volunteer like the government doesn't actually have um a state federal I, I heard something like that reported i didn't investigate it but i heard something like that reported or if not yeah. or at least they don't in like, like have New a South national Wales. forest service like right we have here. exactly so yeah. it's a lot of they rely on volunteers so they're very ill-equipped to actually handle all of this then also the government being reticent to acknowledge climate change and implement policy that would help mitigate against some of these things. Is that Morrison's regime? It is part of Morrison's regime and also predecessors. Right. You know, and so now the kind of world is kind of holding them accountable going, hey, you guys, this wake is a up. reality. Wake up. One of the mitigating factors that you could have is just the National Forest Service yeah. thing, you know. Um, not rely like have funding if not fully active all the time have funding set aside to enact 
this team of people rather than relying on volunteers and that sort of stuff. Mm. So apparently the government has um, some culpability in this getting as quickly out of hand as it got. Um, but do they have any of those tankers, those airplane tankers yeah. that drop? They do have those. Yeah. Oh. I heard a story reported. I think it was on um, the daily podcast from the New York times yeah. about a woman, ha- the fire encroaching and then the water tanker happening happening to drop water directly on her house and it saved her house right like she was watching it going up i guess this is she just gave in like this is the end and she got saved but none of the neighbors did like it just happened to land on her house oh wow at any rate scott um yeah great show today i appreciate uh you coming up with the concept for predictions yeah predictions mine will come true yours won't except for baron mamia and zendaya I love that you remembered her name, Zendaya. Yeah. They would look great together, too. Uh, I'm so, sensing that we're going to see something on Instagram. Maybe you can match them up in some Photoshop. I could do that. Yeah, like, yeah. who needs TMZ? Let's just make this happen. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, thank you to NeatEssentials.com for the ongoing support and the warm wetsuits and outerwear. I've got Absolutely. the jacket in my trunk, in my car right now. And then thanks to Surfing Heritage and Culture Center for doing the good work that you did. Absolutely. Thank you. And until next time, adios and aloha. Religion is dead. Everyone is logical, but they don't know why. Oh man, the future! Social networking, replaced by social interaction. Virtual reality becomes sub-reality. People make money off of being good at life in a virtual game. Oh man, the future! Humans have evolved into humans with way less hair, more brain power, and weaker bodies. We become what we thought to be aliens, and we realize we are the aliens.
then it'll just switch. Since everyone is trying to do what everyone is not doing, that turns into what everyone is essentially doing. And then people will just start doing what other people actually are doing, but consciously aware of it, and approaching it in an artistic manner, rather than obviously following the trend. And to even determine who is actually accomplishing this is very difficult, because since everyone is doing it, 